Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Trailblazers podcast. I am Dane Carbo of NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. And today is a very special edition of the Lockdown Trailblazers podcast. Listening right now, I don't have my co-host with me. Eric Garcia Gunderson is out for the night. I am riding solo. And I am also riding live on YouTube right now. I am simultaneously uploading this video to my YouTube channel. That's Dane, not Dan. Uh, over on YouTube. So if you're interested in maybe seeing a video of my face while talking on a podcast, uh, I thought it might be an interesting experiment. So if you're interested, head on over there and check it out. Uh, You can see my face as I'm talking right now. It's not weird at all. So like I said, uh, Gunderson was out for tonight for a loss for the Trailblazers. Uh, They dropped one in Oakland, 135-90. to Uh, to the Golden State Warriors, a disappointing showing for pretty much everyone all around. Uh, Damian Lillard had 20 points on 8 of 15 shooting. CJ McCollum finished with 10 points on a really rough night. Uh, 0 for 4 from the three-point live, 5 of 12 from uh, from the field. Uh, Mo Harkless was the only other Blazer to score in double figures. He had 17 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Uh, the Golden State Warriors had 1, 2, 3 for five players in double figures, including uh, 34 from Kevin Durant and 24 from Ian Clark off the bench. Again, blazer killer Ian Clark, apparently. Uh, Portland looked like they had a really rough time out there. The Warriors did what we've seen teams do really the last half of last season, really concentrate on Damon CJ and kind of just let everyone else do whatever they wanted. It was a tough outing. Uh, The Trailblazers... True shooting percentage, true shooting percentage, not regular field goal percentage, true shooting field goal percentage was 47.5%. If you're not up on your advanced analytics, that's bad. That's extremely bad. For example, the Warriors, who scored 135 points tonight, had a true shooting percentage of 68.6%. That's a 20% difference in true shooting percentage. Uh, The Warriors' uh, defensive rating tonight was 879 Really rough night all, all around. Noah Vonley got the start again. And oddly enough, Ed Davis caught a DNPCD, coach's decision. We're not sure yet whether or not Terry Stotts, that was just a bad matchup for him or if there's something else going on. Obviously, Al Farouk Aminu still out. He has that, I'm not sure if it's a, a hip contusion, a back contusion, but he landed weird on his, you know, sort of on his backside, on his sort of side of his sciatic the other night. Not looking good for him in terms of the injury struggles he's had and how much the Blazers really cannot afford to not have him around. Um, weird game for uh, Portland. You know, they had uh, they had four guards in the game to start the second corner along with Myers, 
uh, Leonard as the center. Uh, they they had Lehman in the game really early. They had Pat Connaughton in really early. Um, and, you know, the, that second unit had really struggled. There, there was points in the time, especially in the second quarter, when that lead really grew. Those second unit guys were turning their heads. The Warriors were had you know cutters running in the middle of the lane. Uh, two guys were jumping up early on those uh, those screens to the sideline that the Warriors run. They're jumping out both in the shooter, letting that backdoor cutter, the screener essentially, the screener jump to the you know jump to the rim. Really a poor defensive showing again from the Trailblazers, which we've we've come to expect. I think some people had a lot of hope against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and Russell Westbrook early at the beginning of the week. I think that was Tuesday. Got a win on national television. People were feeling good. Then, of course, they dropped the game to the Nuggets. Nuggets went 15 of 31 from the three-point line, I think. Uh, you know, dropped triple figures on them. Not looking good again for the Blazers. Um, and, you know, they played with they played with a lot of timidness, I think. The thing I, I've noticed, we're um, almost 30 games into the season. The Trailblazers' wings, specifically, play with a lot of timidness. Not necessarily, not because I think they're trying to defer to Damian and CJ, but I think they they really want to make sure that they get it right because the offense is all about getting the highest pot like most effective shot, very specifically the most effective shot. And the hard thing with that is that a lot of those open shots for the Trailblazers end up being or should be three pointers. But guys like Mo Harkless, uh, Evan Turner, obviously, even Al Farouk Aminu, who wasn't shooting well, really lost his touch and you know a lot of awkward pump fakes and an extra one dribble at the three-point line which shouldn't happen it should just go up they're really struggling on that you know the only second unit guy I see ready to jack it is basically alan crab uh myers leonard's probably in that category too but r- really hard to see them play that way um, and just not enough movement not enough movement halfway through the shot clock there's a lot of problems on this team that i think it's safe to say 30 games into this thing and I, I've watched a lot of um, tape on this team for my breakdown coming up on Blazers Edge. That'll launch on Thursday of this week, uh, the Thursday before Christmas. Um, first breakdown of the year over there, but a lot of standing around and not sure where I'm supposed to go. Some of that is new players, right? Like uh, um, Evan Turner, obviously. Alan Crabb in a, in a, a similar role, but a different role, playing with different players on that second unit. Um and I'm not I'm not sure why that movement stops though. There's a lot. I saw a couple times tonight, 10, 12 seconds left in the shot clock. Just nothing happened after the first two or three actions. You know, like no weak side cutters, no screens in the weak side, not, nothing else. And guys just left to isolate by themselves, which obviously is not going to work against a top defensive team like the Golden State Warriors. Um, lots of miscommunication on down picks, like I said. Um, Terry Stotts cleared his bench or half cleared his bench to start the fourth quarter. You had uh, Shabazz Napier in there to start at Pat Connaughton, um, Jake Lehman. Uh, basically, you know, Tim Quarterman got eight minutes tonight. Uh, Pat Connaughton got 18 minutes tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. Ed Davis uh, did play tonight. Excuse me. He had five minutes. He didn't get a DMP CD. Uh, he did uh, have five minutes, according to uh, ESPN's box score, which I must have missed at some point in time. But. Um, again, uh, Eric Gunderson's least favorite thing about this team, the Warriors had, well, they had three 30 point quarters and I don't think they reached a fourth one. Nope. They had 27 in the fourth, so they just missed it. But three 30 point quarters, again, not a good defensive showing. The Blazers are now 13 and 16. They are five and 12 away from home. Not a good record going into it, but I still say that there has some hope for this team. 
Uh, not only because it's supposed to get easier for them coming up after the All-Star break, which, again, admittedly, that is, as we talked about on Tuesday with uh, James Hollis, that is, what, six weeks away or something like that, something like that, six weeks away. But um, also just because, you know, December, the rest of December as it fills out, they do have some winnable games. I think that's probably more about confidence than anything else for the games that they should win, as it always is in the NBA. But you have Sacramento coming up on Tuesday, followed by Dallas at home. That's the second night of a back-to-back. But again, it's Dallas, and it's at home. That should be a win. Sacramento could be a win. San Antonio at home, tough. Toronto at home, tough. Sacramento at home, all right? That feels like a win. I think the Blazers can come out of this with a couple wins. And I think for them, if you're a Blazers fan listening to this right now, you already know that they were in worse shape last year, I think. Prior to the Warriors game, I looked it up, and they were something like 11-17 and 17 at this point. And, uh, you know, with the loss tonight, they're 13-16. and 16. So, um, you know, they're a couple games ahead, which is good news. And they still have, you know, a lot of things they can't control themselves. That Alfaro Camino, that's an injury thing. All right, well, obviously the Blazers benefited from not having injury problems last season. This season, if you're playing the odds and thinking, okay, they have injury problems at the start of the season, maybe it'll peter out for them. Maybe that's the sort of the big thing that happens, you know. Hopefully for them, I mean, hey, Mike Conley healed his broken spine in four weeks or something, so uh, there's hope for the Blazers yet in that department. And, of course, as things get easier and uh, things sort of flesh themselves out in the Western Conference, hopefully the Blazers can make a move. The big night, other than the Blazers getting absolutely smashed in Oakland, uh, was that uh, the biggest news of the night was that uh, Festus Sazili is contemplating a season-ending surgery on his left knee. He got a, uh, uh, what, a injection in it um, uh, previously, and the team has sort of gone mum since then on what's going to happen with him. It sounds like uh, it's possible that he is thinking about getting that surgery just so he has a long-term, uh, you know, doesn't have a long-term health issues with that knee, whether it's for playing or for otherwise, who knows. But um, if he if he ends up getting pushed out, that could really be tough for Neil O'Shea and the Blazers because I think Neil O'Shea is the kind of guy who he likes to wait and see what will happen and for almost every season that he's been in Portland, that's been the correct way to do things, where he's turned out correct in the end. Now, whether or not he has the flexibility to do that or not with another, you know, uh, with a, a basically wasting a year of Damian and CJ's prime, not that it's being wasted, but, you know, I think that you have you really do have to consider that kind of thing. And do you go another six weeks and wager it and then make a trade between you know, but right up to the deadline, I'm not sure. But I think obviously asking prices are going to get a lot higher. And uh, what the Blazers have to trade for and with is going to be really interesting because they have Alan Crabb and Evan Turner, their two biggest uh, tradable pieces. Those guys aren't trade eligible until the January 15th. And once they do, who wants them at that price? And uh, obviously because of how poorly each of them have played. I think Crabb is more likely a, a better piece to be moved just because he is a uh, his skill set is less known and less developed, and so I think people are more willing to take a chance on him. Obviously, Brooklyn gave him that offer sheet; they did. I think other NBA teams will too, especially since the Blazers have not only their own first round pick for this season, but the Cleveland Cavaliers' first pick in 2018. It's a uh, top ten protected, but of course 
Cleveland. So it was going to be the bottom of the that round anyways. That's at least something to move around. Uh, the Trailblazers, if they file for what's called a um, disabled player exception, it's something up to like high $3 million, something like that, $3.7, $3.4 million. Um, that allows them an exception that is not only uh, money available for a team like the Blazers, who is about $18 million over the cap, to sign another player, but they are allowed to use that exception as a trade exception in a trade, which would help them uh, if they're sending some players back. And remember, the, play, you know, the Blazers, for this season at least, because CJ's deal doesn't kick in until next season, um, a lot of their a lot of their players are, uh, or is that correct? Let me look, look it up. But uh, um, a, a lot of their players don't have a very high salary, I think, for, for this season. So th- they'll be tough to trade. Um, so I think a, a big problem the Blazers have is if you want to bring in that third guy, let's say you want to keep CJ, you want to bring in that third guy, use a trade exception, or, or even get like a, you know, an NBA starting big, a, a cal, you know, a good caliber big, is like $11, $12 million. So it's like the Blazers don't have that to spend or to shift around. Who are you moving? Are you moving Aminu at a really reasonable contract that he has, $8, $9 million, uh, but you just don't want to lose that guy? That exception can be extremely valuable to them. So I don't know what the Blazers are going to do. I think that as bad as this team has been this year and as as tough as it's been to watch them, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that anybody in the organization is not with any power or, or uh, you know, power to make a trade or anything, unless it's Paul Allen knocking on Olshay's door. I, I don't think anybody at the Blazers is extremely worried about them. This was a multi-year plan anyways, but uh, another rough night against the Warriors and bad news for Azili and his knee is not any good for this season. So with that being said, let's get past the Warriors game. We kind of knew what it was going to be in the first place. The Warriors are who we thought they were. The Warriors are inevitable. The Blazers are starting to feel inevitable, just sort of in a different way. So with that, I asked for some uh, user questions, sorry, viewer questions, listener questions from you guys on Twitter. You did respond. Thank you. You guys really responded to me. Uh, had had you know, uh, you guys had something else to pay attention to tonight. So I'm glad I gave it to you. Um, so let's kick them off. I'm going to go through them here one by one on Twitter. Uh, let's see here. First one, we're going to start with, uh, Matt. He wants to know who are the most realistic trade targets and also the potential injury exception targets. They're kind of one and the same, right? Cause I don't think there's necessarily that many, uh, not in so terms of if you're looking to a guy to save the season, potentially a big, there's not that many guys, you know, you're not going to pull them off the couch or anything. Um, so realistic trade targets, you know, there's talked about Andrew Bogut. I don't think he's a fit culturally in Portland. I don't think he's a fit for that team. I, I, I think if, if Neil O'Shea is going to grab somebody, he's not going to do what he did with Aaron Aflalo because that that trade was more about, okay, we need one little thing. I'm going to leverage a little bit of the future and maybe rent him a little bit just to get us to see how deep we can go this season. This is more about saving the season. And if, if you're not going to make it a full panic move, you have to trade for somebody you think, kind of like the Mason Plumley thing, where you're thinking you're going to have him on the team for a couple of years, I think. I think that's the right way to go. So, realistic trade targets. We've talked about uh, Kostakufos on this podcast before. I think that's a good one. The Nerlens Noel thing has come up. We talked about it uh, last couple of podcasts, I think. I I, I like it from a, a standpoint of, I'm I'm sort of in the in the... 
I'm, I'm kind of in the idea that I think that Noel's asking price will be lower than people think it is. Like people are saying multiple firsts and crab and somebody else. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Now, crab and Cleveland's first. All right. I could see that, but I still think that's pretty high because crab is having, although he's having a bad year, really easy to chalk up his play to team situation, right? Even though he's had a bit of a dip in individual, not defensive ability, but I mean, he's concentration. In any case, I, I do think that uh, he's pretty valuable too. Alan Crabb is. So I like Noel. That would be a good a good thing to do because he's impressionable. He's young. He's a good defender. Uh, a little bit of trouble fishing on the rim lately, but um, you know, a big thing for him would be injury concern. So I think that also lowers your value and the fact that he's sort of in that disgruntled mode in Philadelphia now, right? They're having a real hard time with that front line. So, excuse me, for you listeners at home, taking a big drink of water, it's uh, difficult to do a podcast all by yourself. We have to keep talking the entire time. So, <clears throat> harder than I thought it was going to be. So, thanks, Matt. I think that's that's a good answer to your question. Um, let's move on to another question. Uh, different, different Matt, Matthew. He wants to know what would a realistic trade for Noel be. I think we could cover that already. Uh, crab and a first, probably pretty realistic. But even if you could find a way to swing Crab, it's kind of tough. Um, we went a little weird with it tonight because this game was so bad, we decided to ask some weird questions. So Lillard for Mayor is asking me, what flavor of ice cream is Evan Turner? Now, I think I'm particularly well-suited to answer this question because my first job was at Baskin-Robbins. And I worked there for a long time. In fact, I worked there and then came back. And, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, I worked at Dairy Queen for a little while too. So I think Evan Turner is pistachio nut. And here, here's why you look at it as like a, a 12 year old kid and you're like, it's green. So you're attracted, attracted to it. Right. Then you look at it and it's pistachio. It's like, it's pistachio with almonds in it. It's like, Oh, it's a, the ice cream is a flavor of a nut. And then the other, the, the, there's also nuts in it. It's a different kind of nut. That's weird. That's for old people. It's strange. Pistachio nut is pretty good, but only in small doses and only once like every 18 months. You don't want pistachio nut every single night. And if you do, it's a weird fit. You have to be a weird person to like pistachio nut every single night. Evan Turner, for as much as a great guy as he is as a basketball player, I think is a pretty weird fit for this team so far. So I'm going to say that Evan Turner is pistachio nut ice cream. Uh, thanks for your question. We're moving on. Uh, George wants to know, how much would you pay for one Nerlens Noel? Uh, I don't have my I don't have my wallet on me, so I wouldn't pay anything. I don't have I don't have any money. I I mean, but maybe maybe we can pull some together, listeners. If you guys want to pull together some money, maybe we could uh, get a little transfer fee going for Nerlens Noel. Next question, Brent wants to know, can we just waive Miles? Uh, Brent, we don't have a there's there's no Miles on the Trailblazers. Uh, I don't know about any miles on the Trailblazers. So if you're talking about Myers, uh, no, that's a terrible idea. They just paid him. He's extremely valuable. His uh, talent, size, and skill set for the NBA is something that, uh, if, even if you don't appreciate as a, as a fan, I think it's pretty obvious to NBA GMs and coaches around the league that Myers is a valuable asset no matter what. So, uh, But Miles, you know, we can wave Miles. I, I don't know who Miles is, but we can wave Miles, sure. Uh, Daniel wants to know why is Vonley starting? Interesting question for tonight, I think. Uh, and if he wants to know if you could start someone else, 
who would it be? Vonley starting is interesting because I think that um, I think there's two things going on there. One, I think because of his size and his skill set, he he matches up more traditionally with a lot of lineups. Now, why Terry Stotts is going with that against the Warriors, I'm not specifically sure what he sees. That's probably more of a inside the coaching ring that you know on 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 quick analysis here, I'm not going to be able to answer for you. Um, in general, though, I think his skill set and his size and everything that goes with it is more traditional NBA big, right? Um, another part of that would probably be that Ed Davis has been, he has been such a boost for that second line. So important to the Blazers for the last, you know, this season and last, although less so this season, his numbers have dipped a little bit. Um, I think he doesn't want to really make it, like if you flipped it and Davis started and then Vonley, who again is, is Vonley's still learning. He's not playing very well this season. So he can kind of be supported by playing with good players on the on the first line. If if it's Vonley in the second line and you have Evan Turner struggling, Alan Crabb struggling, you have um CJ struggled tonight, and you have Vonley struggling, and then you have Myers at the center, like all those guys have the potential to be bad at the same time together. And I think that Terry Stotts and basically any coach in the NBA is going to try to avoid that at all costs. So I think it's a smart move just on that that basis alone to keep Davis, you know, a crafty, pretty re- predictable and like reliable veteran to play on that second line. I think it's more about Ed Davis in the second line than anything. Although he didn't play tonight. Um, yeah, I think it's probably more about that because we've seen that happen with Aminu out. Uh, next question, Matt wants to know, how do you shave your head without clogging up the sink and the plumbing? I have the exact issue myself. Well, it's a three-step process, right? Three? Yeah. You exfoliate first, then you then you soap, then you, you shave soap. You're doing it in the shower. You, come on. Do it in the shower. Don't, don't, don't do it standing there. You need all that hot air to open up your pores so you're not getting razor burn. Right, and then you can easily wipe it off and do other layers and everything, and catch all the places you missed. Standing over a sink for a long time to do that—it's just kind of goofy and ridiculous, and you can't clog up your tub. Or I've—I've I've never done it yet. So, yeah, don't do it in the sink, man. That—that's a rookie mistake. Do it in the—do it in the shower. Dave wants to know what's my go-to snack food. Nothing else in the house. What do you always have for him? It's pistachios. Hey, maybe Dave likes Evan Turner. I don't know. Um, well. For me, it's it's always honey crisp apples. Honey crisp apples are so ridiculously good. I remember when I first had them, like back in college, like they were, you know, because that's like a that's a GMO food, right? It's like not a real apple. They just genetically mo- modified that into being something that's the perfect apple. It's delicious. It's like thirty dollars a pound just for apples. They're so good. My girlfriend hates that I get them. Uh, I don't care. I love them. So for me, always honey crisp apples. Um, next question. Nathan wants to know, would you do 500 push-ups in 20 minutes to save your life or 100, push, 100 pull-ups in 7 minutes? Well, I'm let's see. You can't really see what's going on here, but I can't do 500 push-ups in 20 minutes, and I can't do 100 pull-ups in 7 minutes. The, so this is a theoretical question. Theoretically, I would prefer to be able to do 100 pull-ups in 7 minutes. Let me tell you why after this drink of water. Here's here's why. <clears throat> if you can do 100 pull-ups, you get that sweet like, you know, V going on. You know, you get it's like really super wide lats and like big, big bulging shoulders. 
come on, that's like that's what everybody wants, you know. I would I would go with that. I would go with that. Push ups, it's like you know, it's great for your shoulders and your triceps if you're doing them properly. But I mean, you know, you can you can get a big chest by doing other stuff. I want to be able to do a bunch of a lot of guys can do a million push ups, but no pull ups. I want to be the pull up guy. Sam Vicini, uh, good old Sam. Uh, he wants to know why male models. And uh, Sam, are are you serious? I I just told you that a moment ago. All right. Aaron wants to know, what is the best name for a male cat? And additionally, what's the best name for a fish of ambiguous gender? Pretty easy, Aaron, okay? I have, I have two names for a male cat. One, Tomcat. Like you're playing on the whole term of Tomcat. You can call him Tomcat. He's a Tomcat. His name's Tom, you know. He's a cat. It's funny. Guido. I also like Guido. I had a cat named Guido as a kid. Also very male. Uh, a fish of ambiguous gender. Kelly. Let's see here. Robin wants to know if I've ever considered that Myers is tall. Myers Leonard is tall and athletic, but maybe just isn't a very good basketball player. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, that's not true at all. Think about it this way. There are like 400 dudes in the NBA. Every single one of them is a good basketball player. That's a really good place to start. E- even in, I know we're talking about in comparison to each other, but even in comparison, if you're in the league, you're still good enough to be a basketball player. Myra's skill set is really good. And to be perfectly honest, I know that it's been a, a common thing for people to rag on Myers Leonard in Portland this season. I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, he hasn't played bad enough. His, his mental mistakes are way lower. He looks way more confident. I all way more confident. I also think he's been asked to do a lot less. He's been asked to guard a lot less. Um, so I think it's hard to sort of just contextually be mad at him for that, because um, he you know he just doesn't do enough to get to get mad at. Uh, I think he's a really good basketball player. Uh, obviously, a lot of the things he knows is between you know the six inches between his ears. Um, but I, I think he's, he's doing just fine again, extremely long-term project there, but, uh, he continues to be a, a valuable offensive asset that, uh, you know, Terry Stotts may use as a trade asset down the, down the road. I hope he doesn't, but I think that, you know, he's, he's certainly something that, uh, NBA GMs want in that, that skill set. hard to find seven footers that can shoot three pointers, man. I think we, you guys got to understand how hard that is to find and rare and useful it is in today's NBA. Uh, last question. Let's do the last question. Dustin Haas, my friend, Dustin, he wants to know, are the Dame twos better than the Dame threes? New Damian Lillard shoes. The Dame twos, I think are aesthetically more pleasing. They're a better looking shoe. Although I will say their best colorway, the first one, the rip city that came out last year had some issues with markings on some of the cut pieces on them. And so they didn't, like they released a bunch and then they sort of stopped. They took them all off the shelves and they didn't sell them again. It was the best colorway. They look like they look, my friend. You said it looks like a, like an eighties runner and he's right They're They're super cool. Uh, you know, and I have some behind me here, but they don't fit me. Like they're too, they're too thin in the heel. Unfortunately, even if I sized up like a size and a half, two sizes, they don't fit me. I have heard from trailblazers, digital reporter, Casey hold all see hold that, the Damien three seems to be a little bit wider and fit a little bit more universal. So when they come in January 19th or 20th or something sometime in late January, and I go check, check them out for a pair. Um, 
yeah, I hope that they fit because I they also have boost in them or not boost, excuse me, they have bounce in them, which is a a high rubber content foam that Adidas has. It's just sort of between foam in terms of cushioning and uh, uh, boost, which is like that weird space age, you know, super bouncy popcorn stuff. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that just because I I need sort of a lot of cushion in my shoes because I have plantar fasciitis and I think they're I think they're pretty good looking shoes. I I don't know that they're my favorite, but uh, they might they might replace my Air Maxes at this point in time. They might. So that's it. Thanks for thanks for sending in your questions, you guys. I really appreciate it. I think we had fun tonight on a night where I was doing it alone and uh, without Gunderson, who will return next week. We will return next week together. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with you guys on a, on a night for the Blazers where uh wasn't really fun with for them. Um, so if you want to uh. Go on to YouTube and check out the video of this podcast right now. You can, uh, Dane, not Dan, D-A-N-E, not Dan, on YouTube and check this out. Um, you know, l- let me know what you think about it. Let me know in the comments section. Hit me up on Twitter at Dane Carbaugh. Let me know if you think this is a, a good idea, if you'd be interested in seeing more of this, of me talking into a camera while I'm talking into your ears. Um, yeah, I appreciate it, you guys. And uh, so if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can. Lockdown Blazers is on Audio Boom, Stitcher. Leave us a five-star review, five-star review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us over at Lockdown Blazers. Check me out at Dan on, not Dan on YouTube. And I will see you guys next time out. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.